All right. Let's keep this one calm. Let's keep this one rational today, shall we? Let's try. Let's give it the old college try. Let's try to do this the way the week has not gone. Let's do this calmly. Let's do this precisely. Uh, and let's do this hopefully in a way that is informative and helpful. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. This is episode 187. Uh, 187. Uh, 20 shot Glock with the cop killers. Fill them to the top. That's what an episode this is. 187 of my live chat. By the way, 187. I think that's a Samuel L. Jackson movie, right? I know it's the code for uh, uh, drive-by or whatever. Which one is it anymore? I can't remember anymore. But uh, I don't recall that movie being all that great. Anyway, uh, let's see. What are we going to get to today? That's probably UFC 297 storylines. All the fun ones, all the bad ones, all the ones in between, I'm sure. There is still other news out there, of course. Uh, by the way, UFC 300 news, Holloway versus Gaethje, kind of an important fight. There's still the Saudi Arabia stuff. By the way, also breaking news... Did you guys see the feed for John Nash on Twitter at Hey Not the Face? There was some procedural stuff left, like a little more than the procedural, but there were a few hurdles left, uh, even though a trial date had been, I think, tentatively set for the UFC antitrust trial for April. There was a couple of other obstacles in the way, some motions that had to be addressed. They were addressed. Uh, the plaintiffs won them, which would be the fighters. The defendant, the Zufa, lost them all. So that's it. There's nothing left between now and trial that is an obstacle, procedural or otherwise. This is the only thing really that's, that it's the trial is, a, as, as he put it, the trial is a go. So we shall see what happens now. Is there going to be a settlement? Is there not? What, 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 what are we going to do with all that? Kind of an interesting moment in time. Keep that in mind. Also, one housekeeping note. Last week, there was an issue with one gentleman who had an issue with uh, the t-shirts. Talked to Teespring, or I guess it's called Spring now. Um, there is no issue that I'm aware of, at least on our end. Everything should be functioning as normal. If you do have an issue, Spring or Teespring tells me that uh, they can't tell me about it for uh, privacy issues. You have to go to them directly, but I will help you or refund you if I have to, if there's any kind of issue. Um, that's it. Other than that, we are good to go. All right, so with that in mind, let's get this party started. Let's have a, let's have a good one here, folks. Let's, try, let's actually try. Let's try to do this the way that normally business doesn't get done on weeks like this, huh? Let's try. All right. Uh, here we go. Let's have a fun time. And we're back. Let me turn the banner off. And you guys know how this works. We go for about an hour. If you put in a, uh, well, I put the thread up. Uh, the day in advance, you guys fill it up. We do that for roughly an hour, and then I go to any of the paid questions. Um, some people want me to tinker with the format, and I might, but for now, that's how we're going to do it. And of course, you don't have to donate in any way if you don't want to. You can take it all in for free. You can still subscribe and like. That would be cool. Uh, but if you do want to leave one, which is appreciated, but again, hardly obligatory, we'll get to your stuff uh, at the end as best I can. As best I possibly can. All right? All right. With that out of the way, let's get this going let's see what we got here okay pull this up here oops add that boom and then you know what hold on let's go back to the brand and then we will do that there we are there we are okay so let's do this uh boy this has a bunch of likes look at that 116 that's huge that's unusual question someone mentioned bc's character or morality in the last live chat yes they did I came to MK as an LT fan, thank you, and didn't know anything about BC. When my firstborn was in the NICU uh, a month ago, I messaged BC. No one in my personal life had gone through that sort of thing as a parent. BC sent me dozens of messages 
encouraging me and relating to my experience. He also gave me a shout out on MK. Wow, I didn't know that. From my personal experience, the world would be a better place with more people like BC. Yeah, I tried to tell you, the guy's got a heart of gold, man. He is, uh, you know, not everything he says you're going to like, not every worldview he's going to espouse. Sometimes he still frustrates the hell out of me with one thing or the other, but I don't really question his humanity. I don't really question his, uh, um, you know, his kindness or his altruism as a person. I think all those things are pretty, pretty well set. Uh, okay. Uh, how do you think this hiatus will affect MK's traffic upon return? I mean, I don't suspect that uh, everything is just going to fall back into place so beautifully when we return. I suspect there's going to be some hills to climb, perhaps that being one of them, perhaps substantially so. I don't know. I don't know. What I can tell you is I have read some of the speculation that has been out there about what BC and I are planning. I cannot – I mean, you, and you can choose to believe this or not. You can absolutely do with this information whatever you choose. You can say that I am – totally bluffing and this will all be you will be proven or the various people who have proffered theories will all be proven true uh or you can take me at my word and you'll see in due time but i can just tell you from the bottom of my heart not one person has got it correct now i've not read every single theory on the internet but the ones that i have come into contact with have been wildly off the mark wildly and uh in ways that kind of surprised me i suppose but perhaps in ways i should not be surprised but either way not remotely correct. And you can, again, you can choose to believe that. You can choose not to believe that. It is entirely your choice, and you exercise the discretion you need to. But it has been dramatically off the mark. Dramatically. Um, so I don't know. But what I can tell you is I think the show actually does. I Rather, I should say, I think the show will benefit from a reset. I think the fan base will be excited when they see what we have put together. And um, I am, you know... Again, when I say optimistic, cautiously so. These are big undertakings that we are trying. But I feel generally pretty good about it. A lot to do. A lot of things that could go crazy between now and then. I understand. Again, there's just a lot that can change very quickly in the sport, and I get that. But I do think it's the right call, and I do think once this process has gotten over with, the bigger picture will make a lot more sense. Until then, I suspect skepticism is uh, the you know what you have to expect. All right. Uh, and by the way, it's not that I even necessarily don't even understand that. I do understand. I mean, dude, the media business is a disaster. It's a disaster. It's a complete disaster. This week you had Andreas Hale, unfortunately, losing his job among other people at Sporting News. We recently had Kevin Ioli. I know he's reconstituted efforts elsewhere, but obviously he was let go. I know a bunch of people on the boxing side that were let go beyond just Andreas. I mean, the, the combat sports business is, in terms of media, is collapsing if it's not already completely collapsed i think once junkie or fighting go to the extent that that ever happens they still obviously do a lot of good work but once one of them goes it's completely over i've been saying that it's been dying for some time it is it is it is dying i don't know exactly what it finally looks like when it's all said and done i'm not suggesting that all of it goes away i don't know if that's true i don't really know i don't really know exactly but what i can tell you is what we had 10 years ago that that picture of media is going away yeah, substantially so. And again, you can look at that news and potentially think it's great or bad. I, I don't think it's great to have um, there there are trade offs in either direction, but I don't think it's great for these kinds of jobs. I, I don't think it's great that no one has figured out how to make money with with very very minimal exception through media. Depend no, it doesn't matter what your subject matter is. Doesn't matter necessarily what your political orientation is. 
people are having a very, very, there's certain scaling models that work, but in general, it has proven extremely difficult to make money doing that. It's hard for me to believe you actually get, no matter what your persuasion, it's hard for me to believe you get better information that way. Um, I don't really believe that. I really believe you get better information in a industry that can't support itself, right? That just seems quite obviously incorrect. So, uh, so, you know, but I do think that whatever trend is happening is inexorable. And I don't really know how it's going to shake out, man. I really don't. I don't really know. Legacy brands are not safe. Um, there are a couple, again, there are some models that work, but none of them are necessarily all that great. Um, yeah. So you asked me about MK's future, man. Like, I don't know what the media, I, what does the media business look, look like in 10 years? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? I couldn't possibly tell you. So, uh, yeah, of course, I'm expecting hurdles on the on the return. But we're putting together a plan I think will work as best as any plan we can. All right. Uh, okay. This gentleman asks, how bloody is Max going to be? I'll just leave it up. Who cares? How bloody is Max going to be by round four? A, bear mauling. B, chimpanzee attack. <laughs> or C, GSP after Hendrix. Ooh. Well, if he was a chimpanzee attack, I mean, doesn't a chimpanzee like rip your balls and face off and stuff like that? Okay, well, I think we can conclude that that probably is a little on the extreme side. I don't think he's going to lose his balls and face. That seems a little bit much. Uh, the bear mauling, I have seen that. That fight between uh, Artem Lobov and Jason Knight in BKFC, that looked like a bear mauling. They looked like they had to fight off a pack of dogs. Uh, with their faces all scratched, or like they had to crawl upside down or something through barbed wire or whatever. They looked horrible. So that was that one you could maybe say, but GSP after Hendrix is probably the right. He looked like his face, he also looked like someone had just taken, you know, um, like, a, like, a, like a steel, what do they call them? Like the the brushes, like a steel brush, and, and just rubbed his face with it. You know, like the kind of thing you use to clean your, your grill. You guys know what I'm talking about when the grill's like crusted and you got it has like it looks like it's a like a big giant toothbrush, but the but the fibers are all metal and you scrape the shit out of that thing. That's what GSP's face looked like when that fight was over. Dude, he looked. You know what? Let me pull that up real quick. He looked horrendous after that one. Uh, GS. Oops. Let me let me put it up here. What are we doing here? I guess my keyboard died. Well, all right. Well, that's that. I can't do it. But uh, you know what? Let me plug this bad boy in. Oh, there we go. It was just off. Sorry about that. Okay, let's try one more time. I'm sure this is thrilling to watch. Thrilling. There we go. One more time. Here we go. Yeah, this is it. Bro, look at this shit. Here, let me move my stupid face. Uh, let's do it this way. Dude, look at this. Look at that dude's face. Stitches under the eye like this. Look at all of the markings he has on his face. And you know it was even worse the next day. Like you know it was. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, he looked terrible. He looked absolutely terrible. He's probably going to look something like that. It's an interesting question about the fight. I, I sort of echo everyone else's concern. So there's basically most people think. There's, there's really nobody who thinks it's not going to be action oriented, right? Most people think it's going to be action-oriented. I certainly believe that. I suspect most of you do as well. That's really not the concern. The concern is not that the BMF title is being fought for between people who don't deserve it or otherwise can't live up to what the belt sort of signifies. 
but rather that here's Max at a pretty advanced stage in terms of the miles on his career, even though his age is, what, 32, 33. Uh, Justin Gaethje appears to be in some of the best form of his entire career, like really has a lot dialed in. He's probably, you know, he's 35 now, I believe. And so there's a question about how much longer this can stay up. But in general, he's coming off of one of the best performances of his career and head kicking just or Dustin Poirier inside of what two rounds at the last UFC or uh, excuse me, the UFC event in July. Um, it's also well known that, you know, he's a dynamic puncher. It's also well known that he is a devastating leg kicker. One of the most devastating leg kickers, the lightweight division, if not the best, like leg kicker, the lightweight divisions ever seen, like really, really powerful in that way. And so, while Max has absorbed, I think, over 2,200 significant strikes, there is a question about, A, how much longer that can continue. People are saying the audio is low. Let me turn the audio up. Let's see if that helps. That should help a little bit. That should help a little bit. Uh, I turned it up a fair amount, actually. I can't go much higher, but it, it definitely should be up by now. Uh, let me know if that's... Let me see what Othello says. Let's see if he's got it better. Uh, let's say better. Let's text him. The concern is that Max is going to take a kind of career-altering beating. Um, I don't know how... I don't think it's unfair to be worried about that. It probably is quite fair. But again, one more time, the BMF title, we don't have any data about it relative to weight class titles in terms of the 35-year-old stat that you guys know I like to point to. But in general, you're not going to get probably your best stuff at 35, although, again, Justin Gaethje appears to be at some kind of precipice there. Nevertheless, um, it is at least worth not not completely disparaging or ignoring that part, part about him being 35 years old. That's the first. Second of all, Max is insanely durable and certainly has been to this point. I understand there's a question about how much more he can take. That is true, but I, I think people have somewhat written off the possibility or rather what is possible when you get a volume puncher like Max on a guy like Justin Gaethje, who I'm not going to say fights in spurts. That's not totally true, but doesn't have the continuous kind of motor that Max does, especially behind the jab and the way that he does. I think that can actually, that can actually matter. Dustin Poirier was kind of able to deal with it, uh, but Dustin Poirier put a lot on him in a way uh, that, you know, again, I pointed out, I think on, on yesterday morning, um, the amount that, granted, his power is different, so he doesn't need to do necessarily as much work, but he's never put the same kind of volume on an opponent the way that Dustin Poirier has. Um, something to keep in mind. And so I wonder what a volume kind of pressure that Max can provide might actually do. I would still favor, <coughs> excuse me, Justin to win, but I don't think we should look past that either. But okay, maybe none of that matters. Maybe, in fact, we find out Max tries to get behind the jab, and it's not enough. He's getting beaten up too much for him to really establish it. Maybe he ends up getting knocked out and concussed and blah, 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 blah. I would submit to you two facts, or two things I perceive to be facts. The first one is, I don't know exactly how much longer Max has left in the game. There is still potentially life at 145 if Ilya Teporia wins, but my guess is Volkanovski is going to get a rematch in that even if he loses, and if he wins, he's probably just going to drop the belt altogether and move up. I don't know if there's much appetite for a fourth fight. So that makes it kind of weird for him. He's in a place where it's the Rich Franklin post-Anderson Silva scenario. And if you really look at what Rich Franklin did, he played with both weight classes, 185 and 205. And he won some of those, and he lost some of those. And he got knocked out in some of those, and he overperformed in some of those. It was somewhat inconsistent, but still pretty thrilling 
if you're going to be in the rich Franklin position, you have to go big game hunting. It's just the reality. You have to go big game hunting if you want to do the kinds of things that matter. Like if you, if there are pay-per-view points that come with the BMF belt, granted, I think it's an uphill fight for Max, but I do think it's a little bit more winnable than folks maybe are giving some consideration to. And more to the point, even if it's not, I don't know what he's going to do to maximize the time he has left that is necessarily better than that. He could take less tough fights, um, potentially for uh, much less reward, but they could also be kind of grinding, and two of those could be really kind of bad. Like, I didn't necessarily mean now, in hindsight, it makes more sense, but, like, dude, he took a lot of damage in that Yair Rodriguez fight. I did not expect him to take as much as he did. That, like, that, was a, that, that drained him, too. And, like, he, you're not going to get pay-per-view points for something like that. You, I was, that fight was in the apex, right? And so, I, I kind of get it, to be honest with you. I don't think he thinks he has necessarily a ton of time left in the sport. I mean, again, I don't think he's, you know, so exit is imminent. Uh, I do recognize that based on what happened with Tony Ferguson, you saw what Justin Gaethje is capable of. Could something like that happen with Max? I don't think you can exclude that possibility either. I mean, this is dangerous work. It's a dangerous calculation. I do think it's also fair to call it high risk, high reward, but I get the logic of it. I really do. If you are stuck in no man's land for the foreseeable future, and you don't necessarily know what the rest of your time is going to look like. Go big game hunting. You know, you're not going to reclaim in all likelihood championship glory. So, uh, you know, weight class divisional. Uh, I mean, that seems at best speculative, possible, but speculative. Go big game hunting. And that's what he's doing. And so I understand the risks, or I should say, I understand people's complaints about the risks. They're fair. They're reasonable. I just think, um, there is a logic, there is a certain kind of logic that makes sense to what Max is doing, um, that should also be recognized. All right, let's see here. Oops. There we go. Hold on. Boom. All right. Have you seen captains of the world on Netflix? It is excellent. No, I have not seen that. Uh, Okay. When judges are refing MMA, they don't have monitors, but obvious excuse me, but obviously can't always see the action. See all the action. Do they count strikes and damage explicitly on what they see, or are they allowed uh, to assume certain hits and damage took place? That's a great question. Has this ever been looked into in relation to rounds with bad or dodgy scoring? Well, I mean, here's the thing. We've all seen like at like regional MMA, some judge like texting on his fucking Blackberry to whoever, you know. And you're like, dude, this is in the middle of a round. Like, what are you doing? That's really not what the judge... You got... I mean, have you ever heard me soft pedal criticism of what they do in Nevada? Not really, right? But even then, they're not doing that. They're not doing shit like that, right? Uh, or at least, you know, in general. they're certain, Fight to fight, they're not really doing shit like that. So, um, you know, part of what the job entails is like making very explicit, you know, uh, effort at uh, monitoring what is happening in front of you. They do take notes both after the round and then during the round. I've seen that. I don't know what, that's a great question. I do not know if you're allowed to assume things that happen. I mean, that's, that's a sketchy one, right? Because what if you're watching the action, they lock up, but they're standing, you go to write something about something you've seen. And then when you look up, one person is on top, one person is on bottom and they've landed. Like you actually don't know how they got there. Was it a punch? Did they trip him out? Did the guy pull guard? Like, what? It could be hard to distinguish some of those things. I, I would imagine you're only really allowed to make use of what you've personally observed. Um, but I've, I would have to, I would have to check with uh, some, some. I, have to, I would have to look into it. I, I don't know the full answer to that. 
That's, that's a great question, actually. I never really thought of it that way. Someone asking, is this going to be Justin versus Tony part two? I don't think so. Max is hittable, but he's not quite as out of position in the way that Tony was. Or, uh, I mean, Max can also be willing to fight fire with fire, but like, here's the thing, dude. Like, Max is, again, Max is hittable. Like, I think anyone with a boxing style in MMA is quite hittable. The leg kicks in particular are a point of concern. So he's going to have to turn them. He's going to have to do something to mitigate that. Um, and he's going to have to put a pace on him. He's going to really have to put a pace on him. So I think that there are ways in which there's a defensive nature to Max's game that it, that Tony never really built in. Tony kind of built in some defense. There was obviously some head and trunk movement. There's some stuff about changing angles, obviously, as well. But it's a lot more head on a post and just straightforward. And so I think he paid the price for some of that. Um, he would go square a lot with his opponents as well, you know, out of position frequently. That's really not what Max does. But the thing is, Max is also, I mean, Tony had fought at 170, right? Max is a natural 145er, or I should say a big 145er. Um, that's the other part too, man. Dude, Max has made a million weight cuts to 145, and my understanding is those are much harder than people realize for him. I mean, he's a pro, and he hits it, so you don't feel like it's a big deal. But my understanding is his team have has measured what that's done to him at various intervals, and they were not pleased with some of the, the findings that they've got. That, the, that those weight cuts are, they take a lot out of him. Dude, just another fight. at one. If you can fight at 155 so you don't have to have the cut, it's a risky fight because you're fighting a big dominant puncher and kicker who you know whose power certainly carries through the, the depth of that division. Um, but you don't have to cut weight. So that's, that's less strain on your body. And if you win, it's, first of all, like rejuvenate his career in a massive way. Not that it's flagging, but it would really be a huge boost you'd get the belt you get pay-per-view points like I, I i get why he's big game hunting i do i do someone someone's asking how much brain damage will holloway endure at ufc 300 potentially a lot that's a reality potentially a lot here we go uh luke do you think you could do an in-depth preview or analysis of volk Dupree? oh yeah and i feel like there's a lot of potentially interesting analysis you could get into with that given the opportunity if that if that if you can that is yeah for sure uh, I, that's the fight I care most about on the calendar. That's of all MMA, all of boxing. That's the one, again, it's not happening under the most perfect conditions, but of any fight on the calendar, by far, that's the one I care about the most. Last year, as I said before, a million times, it was Spence Crawford. We're done with that. Back to MMA on this one for me. This is the one I care about the most. Someone's asking, do you see Max moving up to 155? I think if he wins the belt, he's not going to want to have the BMF title defended at 145. So, yeah. Even if he if he performs well, I think he might too. The, I mean, really, it's hard to say when he might get the belt again. It really is, you know, the, the, one, the 155 title. Uh, guys, I am so not going to get – I mean, in a week like this, I just can't get into the Biden administration bombing the Houthis in Yemen. Totally reasonable thing. I've been reading about it as well. Not a reasonable thing to want to like be concerned about, but I can't get into that today. I just can't. I just don't. I don't have it in me. Um, interesting question. Instead of it being for the BMF title, should Gaethje versus Holloway be for the? <laughs> Sorry, I thought this said something else. Well, uh, I tell you what, it can be for. All violence, all violence. Weight belt. You know what I mean? It's certainly going to be that on the line. Um, okay, let's hold on here. Let's pull this one back up a little bit. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, how hard was the decision to lower the MK output for a while to fully focus on the next steps? And did you, or did you and BC Mikey get a lot of complaints for it? Yeah, of course. Uh, P.S. If so, don't let them get to you. Well, believe me, they don't. Um, I had people write me being like, you guys made this in haste. You could not possibly be more fucking wrong. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing what people will infer from what they think they know about what you've done. You know, and again, I, I know I botched the rollout like a, I did. You know, I was like, oh, it's once a month, which it wasn't. It was once a week. And I did it not once but twice. Yeah, I jacked that up. Fine. I mean, there's totally fair criticism to make of that. But, um, but you know, the, the like, what the stages of this are and, like, have we thought about it? Oh, my God, dude. We've been thinking about it for a year. Like, <laughs> you know, or, or you know, it's, yes, yes. Believe me when I tell you this is not something like, hey, guys, I know it's Tuesday and tomorrow's Wednesday. I have an idea. Let's just stop doing this shit. Oh, okay. Oh, fuck. That's a great idea. I don't ever thought of that, you know? <laughs> like, it's not how, that's not how the meeting went. So, no. I'm not saying that, you know, you obviously you've been very supportive, but. Uh, not an easy decision. All these decisions carry, they carry risk. They carry risk. What's it going to do to your algorithm? What's it going to do to the people who want to listen? What if they don't like the new version? Like any of these things will trip you up. We are just doing the best that we can with the information that we have. That's it. You know? All right. Figured this one was going to come up. Let's just sort of tackle it. Um, let's see here. Okay. Not too long. Uh, thoughts on Strickland's response when confronted with his anti-LGBTQ plus comments. Specifically, his comments on if he had a gay son coming right on the heels of a podcast appearance where he complained he wasn't loved enough as a child. Uh, this person writes, I've appreciated my takes on Strickland. Uh, well, okay. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing that we're... What a week, right? Okay, so there's there's part... There actually are parts of the story that I do find um, worth discussing for the benefit of everyone of every type of persuasion i think um that are actually to me the, the parts of this story that are that worth that are worth discussing and then there are parts that are not let me tell you about the parts that are not and then you can make a decision about how you want to feel about that totally on your own what we're not going to do what i just cannot bring myself to do i am not going to debate the humanity of a gay child. I'm not going to debate the ethics of whether uh, or the responsibility of whether or not a dad uh, should love their gay child or something, whether they have deserving of their father's love. I, I, I would hope that most of you would understand that is so insanely stupid that it it is like self-evidently uh, not... You only need a very basic amount of moral reasoning to come to some kind of understanding there. And I don't think our time is best served exploring those questions. I'm trying to be as friendly about this as I can, and I hope I hope folks can understand that. Um, these are basic mo moral questions to get right. And I don't feel like... I say this, and I've, I know I didn't understand this when I was 24, so I can in no way be mad at anybody else. But you should really think about from the moment your eyes open in the morning to the moment they close when you go to bed, that's a finite amount of attention you have to expose yourself to something in the world. And you only get a finite amount of those in your life. And by the way, it might, you know, those might end sooner than you think. So I, I really believe people don't take enough care to think about 
what they spend their time consuming, what they spend their time paying attention to, and what their attention is occupied by during the course of a day, a week, a month, a year, or frankly, even a lifetime. These are precious commodities that we should exercise much more discretion over to get better sources of information, entertainment, boredom, whatever. But whatever is occupying our attention should carry some measure of, of worth and contribution to, to yourself. Um, and if it's not, there's, there's some rethinking about what's happening here. Those are, those are conversations that I think would, how do I say this? You're welcome to those conversations. They're going to happen among people who have uh, a insanely metastasized, metastasized worldview. And you're not really going to get a very helpful conversation out of it. So I don't really believe that that's going to be an effective use of our time. And I'm really, <laughs> I just, it's so, I mean, it's so matter-of-factly stupid. I can't believe it that this is a fucking headline that we have to, uh, uh, like, well, so what was the news in MMA this week? Well, funny you should ask. Do gay kids deserve the love of their parents? It's like, okay, what year is this, 1936? Um, all right. I do think there's something a little bit more interesting about the story itself or what some of the different pieces you can pick up from there. Namely, um, in reference to the particular comment that you made, which one was about, you know, uh, about his, I think it was like, you know, you feel like a failure as a father if you had a gay child or something to that effect that he had said. And, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. It, it it appears to me that he has an inability to distinguish between uh, parental love or care uh, as separate from coddling. He does not have the ability to distinguish the two. He actually seems to, it appears, that he views all or virtually most forms of what actually would be quite normal parent-to-child care, love, interaction, socialization, he appears to view that as inherently coddling. I mean, I didn't get to it last week or whenever it was, two weeks ago, whatever it was, where uh, we were talking about some of the things that, like, obviously, he, you know, when he broke down on the Theo Von podcast and, like, what that sort of told you. One thing that we did not get to is there can be a certain mentality from people who make it through experiences in the way that he made it through. Yeah, this is hardly to to have sympathy for his worldview, but rather to understand why he is so adamant about uh, or what, how he arrived at certain some of these frankly contradictory positions, but um, sometimes a person like that can go through an experience and frankly, I mean, I'm using the words like correctly, it's like survive it, like straight up survive it. And they have to harden themselves and they have to deal with all manner of unfairness and difficulty and anxiety and strain and trauma and everything else that goes along with it. And so it, it warps their ability to distinguish between love and coddling because any form of it or most forms of it were denied them or, you know, uh, not properly given to them. And they had to steal themselves in some kind of a way in order to get through that process, which they see as, oh, right, look what I got through this. Look, look what I had to do to get through this. Clearly, these are sources of strength. Coping mechanisms can be helpful in the short run, but they're not necessarily sources of strength. In fact, they can ultimately be long-term um, sources of weakness, right? If you've gotten to the point where it appears like a, a you know, under circumstances of a, if you've gotten to the point where you can't really understand, um, I mean, it's just so, I mean, just connect the dots on this one, folks, here a little bit, right? Like, you just have a guy who has, was 
deeply traumatized growing up, which is, of course, a, an abhorrent horror. You know, wouldn't wish it on, on your worst enemy if you're an all a caring person. And um, he had to survive it, and it completely it, it it altered him in a way that I don't think is irreversible. But you get what you get, and uh, part of that is when you have this kind of survivor mentality, is you think that those things that hardened you are actually what make you better than everybody else. And in fact, it's what has warped you the other way. It's, I mean, yes, they probably did help for that circumstance, but you should have never been put in that circumstance to forgive with. And so you've developed all of these skills relative to trauma that have nothing to do with the rest of broader society or normal interaction. Uh, it appears to be that there's some of that going on, which I think is part of it. I also was kind of paying attention to some of the reaction um, around it. And like, who was saying what about it? And of course, again, you can like these, you can hate these. I'm trying. I'm. I'm just trying to call it. I'm. You know, you. You. You may say I got it right. You may say I got it wrong. I'm just trying to call it the best way that I can call it. Um, like what the reactions were. There was a heavy embrace from what I could see on social media from obviously much more conservative or right leaning outlets about Sean's message. And I think some of the things that I saw were like they liked that he was so outspoken. They either agreed with the message outright. There was support of like, you know, not not backing down to anybody or, you know, perceived um, constraints on speech or something like that, especially since he was in a, a technically a foreign country. Uh, and then there was a equal backlash on, I think, media that speaks more to left leaning people about, you know, obviously, what is ESPN doing? Where is UFC in all of this? What does UFC actually think of all of this? My understanding is they don't love it at all, but I don't really know what that's supposed to mean. Uh, and so there was this really like very polar reaction, but the biggest reaction in terms of like the size of the audience came from the conservative side. I saw one place that had like tens of thousands of retweets from one of the videos, you know, like a real total embrace. I mean, I think this sort of tells you that, uh, for, I mean, we kind of already knew this, right. But like MMA is firmly a right wing sport. Right. And again, you can like that or you can hate that. I'm just trying to make a judgment call as best I can about what the actual truth is. It's firmly a right-wing sport. And so folks have asked me previously, does that, what is that going to mean for the audience? And again, I don't really know what it does to the popularity. I mean, UFC is pretty goddamn popular. And perhaps recruiting these audiences actually grows its numbers over time. I think that question we shall see. They're certainly not suffering in any kind of way. And we've said before, PFL ain't going to do shit to compete with them. Uh, but it definitely is going to homogenize the audience, right? I mean, this is these are the sort of events that are going to clearly make people who are not in agreement or upset many kinds of people who are not in agreement with what Sean is doing or saying or the UFC's inability or unwillingness to do anything about it. It's going to be majorly off-putting for them. So there's definitely this is these are the kind of events that create homogeneity, um, such as that is a good or bad thing as well. I will say I'm a little bit surprised at some of the reaction I've seen in terms of like why people are bitter about it. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like if you're celebrating Sean's willingness, like for example, it's a question of like, you know, um, Hey, you know, he's got a right to express himself like anybody else does. That's true. That's true. That's absolutely true. I don't really, I mean, you don't hear me calling for him to be stripped or fined or anything like that. That's not, you know, taking him off the card or some shit. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just having a conversation. Um, um, so, if we're, oh, fuck, I lost my train of thought. Um, anyway, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure really what else there is to say about it. I don't think, uh, yeah, this is what I mean. Uh, yeah, sort of getting back to it all a little bit here. Um, these are 
these are the interesting moments to reflect upon for what it both tells you about the nature of the fan base, how it's changed over the last 10 years. I do think it has. Uh, what it might look like in 5 to 10. What are some of the factors that got us to this part? I'm going to guess, you know, um, I think that I don't have much evidence for this claim, so I'll probably keep that part to myself. But yeah, um, but you know, I mean, getting up here and being like, geez, <laughs> geez, do uh, do gay kids deserve the love of their parents? I mean, listen, when my kid was born, um, I wished for two things. I wished for two things. One, or yeah, and I thought they were pretty simple, but they're pretty big too, pretty big. I wished for her to be healthy, you know, and happy. That's it. That's all. And if you ask me what I want for her life, that is it. The rest of the details are what fate awaits me and what she can carve out for herself and what I can help her build. That's it. I think asking for anything more than that is honestly like sort of cosmically greedy. And you're sort of missing the plot. I mean, if you have your health, truly you have your health. And if you have your happiness, truly, like you're really happy deep down, you don't need anything else. You're good. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that's, you can externally need for validation in that way. Like you, you're living what I think each, each day that you're healthy and happy, this is basically what like great life consists of. And I have found happiness. I don't know about you guys. I have found happiness to be very difficult over time to achieve. I've had moments, certainly had, had eras, had years, had whatever. Um, but it's been, it's been difficult. And I would say that, you know, um, you know, I, I think that is, you're asking like what I would want for uh, my child or frankly any child. Um, I think that is a, I think that is where it's not even so, no, so much a nobility. I think it's a, it's the fair thing to ask for any kid in any kind of circumstance. Um, and, you know, for someone who has been robbed of the ability to get a normal parenting experience, he seems awfully keen to pass that along to pass that trauma along versus taking a look back and thinking maybe the way it happened for me was the way it should not have happened for me. And, uh, you know, he's learned a series of behaviors that, and, and lessons from life that steeled him for the tumult of that experience that don't really help him at all for anything else outside of it. Also, the last thing I thought was kind of interesting was like getting to the point of like whether you can like respond to this stuff. It's like, guys, I, I, I mean, can we just stop the pretension? Like everybody gets mad about one thing or the other, like pretending that there's one side that just doesn't get mad about things. I mean, guys, y'all's dude, kid rock was shooting up a Bud Light with the fucking AR 15. I mean, that's the most mad man I've ever seen online. You know, people, people get mad about shit, like whatever people get mad, you know, everyone has a right to express their worldview, including people who are also not fans of what Sean has said. Right. I mean, I, I, why is that off limits? Why is it like the bold declaration of what is perceived to be brave and otherwise interesting truth, which of course it is neither of those things, but why is that like the sanctity of that should be protected in the silence of people who disagree, but, uh, the reverse is not true. I mean, this is, this is silly. Like, of course, yes, he does have a right to express himself 1 billion percent. He's an independent contractor. He can say what he wants. Uh, but people have a right to say things about it, both again, positively or negatively. And the, 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 the pushback on people being like, not happy with it. Like this is some kind of affront to everyone else. I don't, I don't quite get that. Um, uh, but you know, 
I also don't have... Yeah, I'll leave it at that. So I don't really have much to say about it. I think that this is kind of a whole embarrassing episode for MMA. I bet you that UFC feels the exact same way, even though they're not going to do shit about it. But um, if you're having a week, let me just tell you flat out, if you're having a week where there's a question about, you know, one of your athletes is, you know, there's a suggestion that uh, the, the a gay child who has a father, like whether or not they merit their love, boy, you are, you are in a terrible place. Terrible. You have fucked the whole shit up at that point, you know. But that's where we are. That's where we are. All right. And I don't know what that means for all of like what is, I mean, was this going to be a distraction heading into Saturday? Does he like doing this shit? Does he not like doing this shit? I don't know. People being like, oh, last thing on this. The last thing I'll say, which is I saw people being like, well, answer his points. But like he didn't make any arguments. I mean, this is the whole thing that comes down to it. It's like, dude, I lived, I went to high school in the fucking 90s. Like I lived through the entire world adjudicating these questions. And I know people think that there are new factors in play that change it. They don't. Uh, like, it's so bizarre to me. Like, this is what I mean when people like, like people criticize American politics for being so fucking stupid. It's like, this is what I mean. It's like, there's actually like gigantic problems that are going largely unaddressed that affect all broad swaths of people like you and me. And this is the dumb shit we're focused on. Questions that we litigated in the fucking 90s. Seriously? I'm 44. We've been discussing this bullshit since I was 16. Move on. Move the fuck on. Um, but you know, people think it's rational when it's just fucking quite obviously a reactionary force. And you know, I know there's going to be a bunch of people who are upset about this and they're going to download the video and they're going to say a bunch of mean things about me because you know, they've been sort of, they don't realize that this is an electoral, uh, this is an election year. And this is the kind of thing that gets the dog gets wagged, um, to coalesce the evangelical in other words, otherwise conservative support around, uh, uh election cycles. Like, I mean, this is all. None of this is an authentic personality. It's just, it's a consequence of, the, I think, the world in which we live today. But um, just been like a lot of weird parts about it, aside from just the horror of the worldview expressed itself. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely feel bad for people uh, in the industry who are gay. I don't know how they do it, to be honest with you. Like, would you want to be, would you want to be a part of the industry if you loved MMA? Like, or imagine you're already in it and this is the kind of shit that's going on. Like, People think, oh, I, I love that he said the brave thing, which is what they imagine. It's like, well, no, you just love the idea. Like, you're supporting the idea itself and uh, all the ramifications therein. Like, it's not, it's not like, like, oh, I'm so glad he expressed his First Amendment rights. That's really not what the joy is here. The joy is the presentation of the worldview. Just be honest about that. All right. If you're going to ask a bunch of questions about this on any part where there's donations, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to go back into this because the whole thing is just depressing beyond, beyond anything else. And so I'd rather just talk about some shit that uh, is not that. But we shall see. We shall see. All right. Where are we? Here we are. Luke, do you think there's a chance Corey gets the winner of Cheeto Sean 2? Yes. Uh, well, maybe. Particularly if it's Cheeto, he holds a recent win over Cheeto, yes. Or is it more likely Marab versus Cejudo winner gets the next shot? Probably if Marab looks awesome or where if anyone looks awesome in that fight, they might leapfrog. Otherwise, it might go to Corey. But, um, but they may want to run Corey and Umar back. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, someone's asking, Luke, did you hear that Anatoly Malikin from one championship will fight for his third belt at 185? No. It's middleweight, but it's one middleweight, which means it's 205. 
but it is a third belt. That part is true. Uh, okay. Here we go. Max ate a few big right hands from Korean Zombie in his last fight. How do you see Max avoiding that Gaethje right hand? Uh, not much. I think putting pressure on him, trying to put him on his heels is about the best he's going to get from that. Trying to cover, obviously, as best he can, but part of what Max does is just eat it. You know what I mean? So, we're going to see. We're going to see. In the words of Max Holloway, we're going to see. You know? Ooh, this is an interesting question. What can Max do to punch harder? His power against Dustin was not enough. Bulk up, he'll be slower. Change camps, do a full bodybuilding camp. Much love. Well, there are things he could do to punch harder. There are certain weight training regimens he could do. There's, some, there's specific kinds of strength and conditioning he could do. Putting on more weight, obviously, will help him as well. But you begin to tinker with the formula about what makes the overall system work. He has obviously made a trade, quite correctly probably, between, hey, what, what, how, how big do I need to be? What kind of game do I need to have to have maximum punching power? And you have to be a little bit different to really get that. You have to be heavier. You probably have to be slower, any number of things. I don't think he feels like his game is overall benefited by that. He probably wants to be quicker, more limber. Now, he is going to go up to 155 for this fight, obviously, so we'll see. But I still think he's going to want to be you know fleet of foot, quick, not weighed down. But there's lots of things you could do to increase your punching power. I really don't think Max's punching power, well, even Dustin got rocked a few times. I, 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 I did wonder after the Poirier fight, the second Poirier fight, obviously, I did wonder if Max had the requisite punching power at 155. Um, but again, I'm going to say it, dude. Justin Gaethje at 35, he does have a ton of miles on him. Granted, he is as battle-tested as they come. I get that, too. I, again, gun to my head, who wins? Gaethje wins, gun to my head. But I th I think that Max, if he can really, really begin to just put a pace on him, turn him, uh, there are possibilities. Favor Gaethje, but there's possibilities. Ooh, all right, I'll get to this one. It seems a little bit uniquely different. Is the recent breakdown that Sean Strickland had on Theo Vaughn's podcast a possible indicator of internal stress that could affect the outcome of the fight with DDP? Although he seems to be acting relatively normal, he also seems a bit uncomfortable with all the fame and attention he has since received since becoming champion. Yeah, probably... Um, it's a great question. It's a great question. It could be additional anxiety. Also, it could be you know, certain forms of healing that like he's able to feel things in ways that have probably been suppressed or repressed that he hadn't dealt with for a long time. And now some of that bubbled up to the surface and there is some healing that comes with that. That's not necessarily all bad. Um, it could be stressed that there are obviously a lot more cameras in his face. There's a lot more expected of him. He, he, he is making news in ways that two, three years ago he was not making news. Right. And some of that probably he likes, but some of it he probably doesn't. And maybe the people around him do or don't, too. There's... Ooh, I gotta lock my door. It's too cute. There we are. Um, I don't know. I'd have to ask Eric Nixick about that. I'm guessing there's probably something to the stress. He certainly looked like he was feeling it before beating Izzy, but then, of course, he had the performance of his lifetime. So there's a question about what it does to him there. I, I would say that um, when you're encountering feelings like that and you haven't been able to contain it, Probably they're very serious feelings, but on top of it, um, 
something has changed in your life that whatever you were guarding against, some of that got relaxed. Probably some of the success has helped him to a degree. Some of the financial security has probably helped him to a degree when you're not constantly, you know, when the world is kind of working for you in the way that you had imagined. I think that that can probably uh, help to center certain things. That's I suspect that is part of it. But, dude, I mean, I don't know why. Listen, why would he be immune? Some people are better with all the pressure, of course. But why would he be immune from what every other champion basically says about what happens when you have the title? Like the immediate demands are more and the the you know uh, the, the the target on your back and how people are talking about you and blah 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 like again you probably do thrive on some of that but for any champion that you've ever talked to granted this is his only his first title defense but it's a big change for him there probably is some anxiety and stress that comes with it man like there's just more of it there was the study i heard about and this is as minor as nothing this is just as minor as nothing but that they measured people who over the course of a week got an X amount of emails. And then in the next week they got two X and then the next week they got three X and they measured all of their physiological signs. And this is just email around work. And what they found was as the emails went up, so did all of their biomarkers about negative, negative physiological responses, like their anxiety, their stress, their blood pressure, everything went way, way up. And I would imagine like any time that the spotlight is turned on you and blah, blah, blah. Like there might be part of it where you feel like, yeah, like this is all the things that, I don't know if he loves fame, although I do think he loves adoration to a degree. Um, but, dude, for sure it's going to trip you up. For sure. There's there's going to be added levels of stress um, when you have to do more and be more and be seen more and talk more and show more and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just a lot. It's a lot. Uh, let's see. Someone's asking, do I see ESPN not resigning and going all in on PFL? Folks, folks, please, please hear me very clearly. It's a fine question to an extent, but just please hear me. It is not possible for the PFL slash Bellator or PFL or any other promoter currently in MMA to compete with the UFC. It is not possible. It cannot be done. It cannot be done. The only way that could be done is if there is some kind of injunctive relief that is granted at this court case where it changes UFC contracts to make them one or two years in length and or if the Ali Act is ever extended to MMA through Congress and then signed by the president and into law. Short of that, the cavalry ain't coming. There is no, there is no nothing. It cannot be done. You cannot create a rival set of fighters that the public might like or dislike, but are either unaware of or don't know what to make of. They control their own rankings, the UFC. They control their own titles. There are no really independent rankings that people uniformly agree on or view. Um, those guys are trapped or you know kept under contract for long periods of time. There are tolling provisions and very few sunset clauses, and we all know the stories. And so long as there is not crossover, there cannot be competition. They have all of the world's best fighters or the perceived world's best fighters. They own their own rankings. They own their own titles. And as long as they don't share that with anyone, they can't lose. Of every dollar made in the industry, they make 90 cents of it. The entire MMA industry, they make 90 cents of it. So uh, would they dump UFC for PFL? Not in a million years. Not in a million years. Short of some kind of insane, out of nowhere, 
we could never have seen this coming scenario that radically alters the UFC. They cannot be competed with. People think when I say that, I think it's a good thing. I don't. I don't think it's a great thing for the industry to have one firm to have that kind of control when the athletes don't have any federal protection or regulation that otherwise um, helps their interests. I don't think it's a great thing, but I think it's where we are. That's it. That's where we are. They cannot be competed with. It cannot happen. Now, hey, maybe someone defects from UFC and they get someone to fight Francis and that's a big fight night. Great. Maybe that money from Saudi Arabia is very helpful for this PFL versus Bellator card. That's cool. That's good. Those are not bad things. Um, I'll make up something. Maybe Jake Paul fights Nate Diaz. I don't know, right? In MMA or something. Seems unlikely, but possible, right? Those would be great things. But unless you can scale that over the course of a year or two where you have a routine amount of these where you're able to make money, you can't, you can't, you can't win. You will lose. They will lose. They will go out of business like everybody else. And this is the last thing I want to say in this because I really hope folks understand this argument. Guys, <coughs> De La Hoya is one of my favorite fighters, or boxers, when I had you know casual interest as a kid, him, Mike Tyson, some of the bigger names, Ray Leonard, um, Hagler, you know, whoever. If you grew up in the 80s, you could pick whoever you want. Um, he, he, he would be one of them. But, you know, I don't know if he's the savviest promoter I've ever seen, right? If you see, like, even today, Ryan Garcia was talking about fighting him next instead of a presumed opponent. Things aren't going so well. He already lost Canelo. But, dude, Oscar makes money promoting. Like, I'm not saying anybody can promote and make money, but I don't think it's it's not easy. It takes the right kind of fight experience, but it can be done. Eddie Hearn makes money. Frank Warren makes money. To an extent, even Don King makes a little bit of money. PBC makes money. Like, there's a multitude of promoters. They all make money. Are, am I really to believe that there are four guys in Las Vegas? Sean Shelby, Mick Maynard, Dana White, and Hunter Campbell. These are the only people who know how to promote such that they can make money? They're the only ones on earth who can do it? Really? I don't think that's true. I don't think it's true that there are four guys, or like the Avengers are the only guys who can do it. I think that they can do it. I think that they can do it very well. I don't think that they're bad for or like, oh, they just, anybody can do it. No, no, they're good. They're very good. But I don't think they're the, I, my whole point is, do I think they're the only ones capable of making money? Well, in the current regulatory scheme, but if you had one that was more equitable, no. I don't think they'd be the only one. I think you'd see a lot of promoters begin to start making money. Uh, so if unless you actually believe that there are four dudes uh, past the age of 40 who can do this, and that is the only, those are the only guys who can do it. Um, if you want to have some questions, you have to start asking yourself. <coughs> Someone says, I can't believe they're sending Max to get slaughtered. Max asked for it. Max asked for it. Someone says, do you fear for Max as I do? Even if he wins, the damage will no doubt uh, make any win Pyrrhic. It's possible. Very possible. Good question. I'm going to give you my best theory on this. I've not talked to her or her management, but this has happened in other cases. Lauren Murphy was recently removed from the rankings due to inactivity. She last fought in January of 2023. What are your thoughts on the UFC removing Murphy from the rankings but allowing fighters like Colby and Ortega to keep their top five positions despite not fighting since 2022? My guess is she is at odds contractually with them. That's my guess. That's my conjecture. Right? Again, I've not spoken to Lauren. I don't even know who manages her, but I've certainly not spoken to them. 
This is just conjecture. My conjecture is I have seen them do this in other cases where they were at loggerheads over a contract. And there could be any number of things like turning down fights or they want you to sign a new one and you haven't signed a new one yet or whatever. Uh, my understanding is she still is signed to the promotion. She's just been made ineligible to be ranked. Uh, that is typically what that signifies is that you're either turning down fights or they want you to sign a new one. Usually something like that is what is the culprit in a case like this. Ooh. If the BMF belt is rotating nearly as often as most UFC titles, fighters who win it will activate the champion clause in their contract, right? It's a good question. I don't know if it has the champion's clause where it extends it a year. I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know. I know you get pay-per-view points. I don't know if there's the extension on that one. It's a good question. I don't know if anybody knows that. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's try this one. Regarding your tweet about Holloway's strikes absorb versus Poirier being higher than Gaethje's most landed, that is true. How likely do you think it is for Gaethje to set a new personal high? It's possible. Do you have any idea fighters usually land at significantly higher volumes versus Max compared to their career averages? I've not looked into that. Um, usually what Max has done is he has suppressed the output of his opponent, especially in cases where he's won. Um, I think he did that at least in the first Volkanovski fight, maybe even in the second, definitely not in the third. I have to go and uh, no, I don't think the second one either, but definitely I, I believe he did it in the first, but I, I've, I've not looked into it. It's a good question, but I don't have, I don't have the requisite information to give you, unfortunately. Um, okay, I don't take this one as concerned as you guys are. To preface this, Nganu has already succeeded in his goals in getting the money and, frankly, the respect he was asking for. And if he upsets Joshua, he'll be catapulted to a new level of stardom. That being said, there's a good chance that he could receive serious damage against Joshua. If he does, it is more likely he sticks around in boxing and make or makes a return to MMA. I think he's going to take the fights that are the most lucrative in all likelihood, although potentially he might do the uh, PFL a solid. I will tell you, I'm not nearly as concerned about this. I'm not dismissing what Joshua can do. Joshua is a big dude. He's very athletic. He's very powerful. You saw what he did to Otto Valin, who was a quality opponent, and he just he beat him up. He 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 beat him up properly. Fair enough. And Ganu looks to me. I don't know how you guys feel about this. And Ganu looks to me like he's got a legendary chin. I mean, you go back to the first Stipe fight. He got just he got more tired than he ever got hurt. It looked like I could not believe the amount of damage that he absorbed and how little it changed his demeanor other than the fatigue of wrestling or everything else itself. That was crazy to me. That's the first thing I'd say. You look, look at that ridiculous elbow that Fury threw and it didn't even cut him. It didn't seem to rock him. When was the last time you saw him with a super blown up eye? Dude, he looks like he can just take punishment and has a ridiculous chin. So I think, you know, if you may or may not have seen my conversation with Dewey Cooper, you don't want to lean on that necessarily, but as an insurance policy, I don't know, man. There's not a whole lot of better chins in the heavyweight division than his. His is good, very good, right? So there's that. Second part is his power is excellent, and I think um, you know the, the damage he could do is obviously uh, as significant as Joshua, potentially more. I mean, we'll see if he's even able to land, but if he does land, obviously the power is going to be significant but i will tell you like am i worried that it's going to change him or force a calculation yeah i mean listen if he gets like outboxed and looks kind of bad and never has a moment that will affect the calculation sure of course if he does get beat up that'll affect the calculation i'm simply saying i don't think he's going to absorb so much damage 
that that also adds a layer of complication that you now have to wrestle with. I don't, I'm not saying that Joshua won't land on him. I'm just saying, dude, I don't know, man. Francis is tough, tough, dude, super. I mean, even his detractors have to acknowledge such that they exist at this point. Dude, he's, he is tough. He can take a punch and then some. Um, I think he's well-suited in that particular sense to go up against a guy like Joshua. Have you guys given any thought to the idea of him winning? I know it's ludicrous, right? Like, I did the whole interview with Cooper, and I hate being like, okay, Dewey, well, let's talk sensibly, because Dewey is like a true believer, and of course, they they looked much better like they did. I mean, he is adamant, adamant that there is nothing accidental at all about what happened against Tyson Fury, and it's not because Fury took him lightly. It's because Francis overperformed. That seems implausible to the rest of us, right? It seems, dude, just just noodle this. If Francis were to knock down Joshua or do the impossible, it seems, and beat him, the world is not, in that scenario, however unlikely it might be, the world is not done yet being surprised like by Francis. Like the level that that could raise, I mean, already what he's raised himself to, That this would be two levels above that. I mean, if he did something, dude, he would be one of them. I mean, seriously, if he beat Joshua, right, which again, seems very remote, but if he beats Joshua, dude, Francis becomes like one of the most important fighters in MMA history. A guy to leave the UFC and go out on his own and then to beat, knock down the guy who was the WBC champion and then to go and beat a guy who was also himself a champion and still relatively close to the prime of his career. Like no MMA fighter will have done anything like that. You know, Connor obviously began the whole process or whatever, but Francis would have been the one to really take it to the next level. I mean, he would he would hold a special place in history by virtue of that alone to say nothing of all the other stuff he would get it for. Kind of crazy. Again, seems totally not in the realm of possibility, but um, here we are. All right. Let's see what you got. I'm going to try and do this reasonably. Let's, let's try to be reasonable. All right, let's see what we can do. Uh, why is U.S. aiding in the genocide of Palestinians? Yeah, um, they don't have to be. They have chosen to be. It's all a choice. All a choice. Um, okay, is it wrong that my favorite workout song is Surface Pressure? <laughs> <coughs> pressure like a drip, drip, drip. That'll never stop. Oh. Uh, not my favorite song. Not my favorite song on the, con- on the thing. Why is it so difficult for fans to be independent thinkers to accept facts, be objective, because fans are fast casual? I don't know what you are referring to. Um, I mean, I sort of have a vague idea of what you're referring to, but because I don't truly know what you're referring to, I'm going to have to make an inference about it. I don't... I, I mean, I would generally say that there is a... More than it ever has been, there is a coherence of... Or, or you know, the again, there's a bit of homogeneity of, of political and social views among the fan base over the last 10 years, I'd say. Uh, and again, could be good, could be bad. We'll see. PFL Paris sold out in 20 minutes. Doom Bay is a draw. Jesus Christ, is that true? 20 minutes? That'll help. That'll help. There's Dave uh, Sandine. Dave, thank you for becoming a member. I appreciate it, my friend. My super chat question, how do you balance your life with the fights and as a father? Uh, poorly. Poorly. I don't sleep well when we have to do a lot of work. I live with an enormous amount of anxiety. I think I just do what most people do and just keep showing up and do your best day after day. I don't have a hack. I don't have a 
number one tip or here's how I've actually succeeded at it. I'm, <laughs> I'm probably failing at it too, you know. With the extended MK hiatus, should we hold off on sending in fan subs until March? No, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Also, will exceptions be made for 90-second videos if they are very good? Yes. But anything over that, you're just you're, you're making it difficult on yourself. Luke, just curious on how to navigate the breaking into the MMA media landscape. If you were starting out today, would your path look similar? Here is my best advice, and I absolutely mean this. Someone asked me, hey, what's your what's your advice for breaking into MMA media in 2024? My advice is to not. And I'm be I usually don't do this. I'm being dead serious. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's a very bad idea. I don't know what the business will look like in a year, two, five, or ten. Um, but I can tell you I lived through the process where all this money was being dumped into it, and now all the money is being pulled out of it. And I don't know who's – no one's figured out how to get back to the place where we had all the money coming in before because, of course, that was just venture capital funding. This is a – and it's not just MMA, sports journalism and journalism more generally. This is a cratering industry. Cratering. There are people who are going to be exceptions, who are going to be able to build significant audiences and self-finance to a degree. That is true. There will be some winners in this whole process like there would be in any scenario. But I would strongly recommend, strongly, you go to something that has much more stability than media going forward. If Tuki ever asked me, hey, what's a career that, you know, obviously she's too young for this, but what's a career that I should pursue? I, I want to do something like you. I would, ex I would very much caution not to do that. I do not think it is worth it. I think becoming, working on the legal side, working on the PR side, Work for something that's got longevity. Work for something that's got the ability to be stable across your life. Because if you don't have that, it's going to be trouble for you. Don't do it. Genuinely, genuinely do not do it. Have you seen Godzilla Minus One? No, but everyone I know who has seen it has said that movie bangs. So I'm, I've got, it's on the list. If so, what are your thoughts? No, I'm not seeing it. If not, what are you doing? Dude, I, I saw Wish, the Disney movie. By the way, I will say this about the Disney movies. You know what? You know, everyone's pissed off because, like, even in, like, The Flash, the CGI is shit, you know, because they're, like, they're just giving these studios no time to work on these movies. So they're just pumping out CGI as fast as they can, and it all just looks like ass. But Disney's been kind of doing the same thing, just pumping out movies. Dude, I remember when Raya the Last Dragon came out. If you're a parent, you don't know shit about this, and I get it. I'll move on fast. But my only point is, like, people complained about that movie. It's like, eh, it's too long and blah, blah, blah. And the concerns about them are the complaints about it. Like, they're mostly right. But, dude, I watched, like, that movie, uh, what was it called? Like, Secret Land or whatever the fuck. And then uh, and then Wish. Wish was better than the other one. But neither of them are good, dude. Like, these movies that they're pumping out now are shit. They're not good at all. And I'm like, the ones that I was watching during the pandemic were much better uh, for what all the problems were. So, um, I know that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about Godzilla Minus One, which I still have not seen. But it was it was it came to mind when people were complaining about the quality of a lot of movie making that's happening and like these big companies are just pumping shit out to have stuff out. My God, is that not working at all? Luke, what do you consider as an out of bounds question to ask fighters? My take is that anything that they say publicly is fair game. Yeah, that's the other part too about the gotcha question. It's like, what do we mean by gotcha? Because usually what the, I understand what you mean. Like, hey, we're here to talk about the fights. Um, why are you bringing this up? It's not related to Drickus. It's not related to, hey, what's the crowd going to be like? It's not related to your training. And so in that sense, it seems like, you're being intentionally provocative. Perhaps that is one interpretation you could take. I would I would also ask you to at least consider that there's another perspective, which is that we often talk to these guys about things not related to fights or fight week. You know, hey, 
they make a post about hunting or Bryce Mitchell wants the camo Reebok shorts or the world is flat or, you know, hey, um, I, this person went to this ball game and it ended up going viral or, you know, any number of things related to their life that's not that. Now, of course, that's not a political question. That, again, has another layer of complexity to it. But to the point you raised, usually a gotcha question is designed to make someone contradict themselves, to like force to be like walk back something. Uh, and this was just a case where he asked him about publicly com public comments that he ultimately doubled down on. I don't, I, I get what your argument might be about like why are you bringing the, not that I agree with it, but I get at least the logical consistency of why are you bringing it up? If it's not about fight week. I understand that in that sense you feel like it was intentionally provocative. But dude, if you're, I mean. I mean, this is the thing Sean's doing, right? Like, I think even if you're a supporter, you have to understand. If you're showing up with, like, T-shirts that say women should go back in the kitchen and then doubling down on statements about what kind of love gay kids deserve from your parents, like, dude, we live in the real world. Like, you, you, you are saying those things to be intentionally provocative. And partly it's to be hurtful while you do it. That's the, the, the you know, so-and-so destroyed so-and-so, right? Like, people love that kind of a thing. But this is what I mean about, like, people responding. Like, you know they're going to respond. <laughs> You know, like everyone's gonna, everyone's going to have a say about something like that. So if you say it on the record and then you're going and being intentionally provocative, like, I, you know, I understand that you might not like the question and everyone has a right to like and dislike what they want. But like calling it a gotcha question doesn't seem to me like accurate labeling. It seems like it's actually something a little bit different. Uh, Luke, wanted to tell you, I know every time I ride the DC Metro these days, I hear the words unbridled macing in your voice. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. They'll do it. I saw it. I, w I played witness to it. Uh, after Better Biab's last performance, this person writes, do you think Bivol can successfully stay away from his power for 12 rounds? His timing and short non-telegraph punches seem like too much. No, I don't. After that performance against Smith, no, I don't. No, I don't. I think that Better be have wins that one, but that is a fucking amazing fight. Of all the boxing fights I want to see this year, well, that's not, I wouldn't say it's my number one, but that's definitely one of the ones that's up there. That's definitely like high on there. Go to order from Chipotle. Okay, here we go. Let's go down the line. Ready? I get white rice. I don't, the brown rice, brown rice licks the balls off a dead, it licks the backside off a dead man's balls. I mean, it is horrific. People who eat, I'm not brown rice all the time, but the Chipotle brown rice, it's just the backside of a dead guy's balls. I don't know what people are thinking about that. Just the worst. So I get that. I'll get the fajitas or the onions and the peppers. I usually get double chicken. Sometimes I'll go double barbacoa. Pico de gallo, salsa verde. Sometimes I'm feeling the corn. Sometimes I'm not. No cheese, no guac. Uh, I get some sour cream, and then I get lettuce on top. There you go. That's the Chipotle order. It's It rounds out to about, if you get the chicken, not so much the barbacoa, if you get the chicken, it rounds out to about 850 calories, which is which if you're lifting weights is a, is a good lunch. How likely could we see Holloway outclass Gaethje in an almost Strickland Adesanya way? How? That seems unlikely. That seems unlikely. I mean, part of like this is the thing about Drickus. I'll pull it back up in a second. It's the thing about Drickus relative to Izzy. Izzy is like takes his time and he faints and he looks and there's a real sort of careful consideration about it all. I'm not saying Drickus doesn't have tactics and strategies. He does. He very much does. And I think we've lost a little bit of that kind of noticing. Sometimes he does goofy shit, but you can't let that blind you. A lot of what he does is very effective. But he's a bull, dude. He's a bull. And he kind of goes for it. He takes more risks. He puts more pressure, physical on top. 
like watch him watch watch like watch him pass he'll like rip the leg that's blocking him and he'll rip it aside like he has rough passing and he has rough charging and jousting and blitzing and what he does off the back of the fence he'll have his back on the fence and he comes that's how we got trevin giles he just covered distance so much guys kind of crowd him up in that space when he's covering up with the high guard and he just comes ah, charging out there's a certain amount of physicality and consistent effort from him that's hard to deal with that that izzy didn't bring your question is uh, you know, it will ha- what happened with Holloway and Gaethje. Gaethje's got, you know, Gaethje's got a very different game than Drakus Duplessis. Please don't misunderstand me. But some of the undertones of of physicality that I'm describing with a technical application, he's got that. You know, it's going to be you're going to have to deal with that. That's going to be difficult to deal with. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna take punishment no matter what, right? That's just the reality. Any updates on whether you're getting on TRT? Not at the present moment. No, not at the present moment. I don't think I'll probably do that till 50 or something. I don't, I'm, I'm doing better with like, I'll just be honest to quit, like not drinking. I mean, I'll have a drink now and again. I, I, I haven't had a drink since uh, I don't remember the last time I had one. I genuinely don't know. I didn't have any over Christmas. I didn't have, I mean, I guess I had a glass of champagne on new year's, but I didn't even finish it. I poured it out. You know what I mean? Like doing that has changed my sleep. Granted, my sleep's still not great, but relative to what it was, it's gotten so much better lifting weights consistently. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling all right. You know. Do you think Sean Strickland threatening Drickus was, quote, really, and quote, just crazy trash talk? I don't know. Would you be surprised if Sean does something really stupid and gets arrested? I think Eric Nixick and those guys are trying to provide, like, a civilizing force for him, and so I think the likelihood of that over time maybe diminishes, provided he doesn't take a lot of abuse the rest of his career. But I don't know. I hope not. I really hope not. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. FYI, I'm RTRT, and it really helps me with my weight training. I believe it. Here's Ant. Now I am on the gear. My biceps look like the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Squeezed Johnson. Squeezed Johnson. Uh, I didn't know that. I, I, you know what? We got to talk then, and we'll see what's up. I think Ant's a little bit older than me, but we got to see what's up with that. Uh, all right. There you go, my friend. Thank you. Can you rank from least likely to most likely? One, Jones fights Aspinall. Two, Shavkat never becomes champ. Wow. Three, Nganu finishes AJ. Wow. Four, Strickland gets two or more title defenses. I'll go four as Strickland, as you have it. Three, Nganu. I'll go... W- uh, Jones is two, Shavkat as one. Least likely is that Strickland gets two or more title defenses. I think most likely... Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Wait, I fucked this whole thing up. No, I fucked up. This, I fucked this up. Least likely. Yeah, Strickland gets two or more title defenses. You could maybe put Nganu at four. Those two are kind of interchangeable. And then... Yes, I'd put Shavkat at two, and then... Yeah, I'd keep the order you have, actually. Sorry, i keep the order you have. Yeah. I don't know how likely any of those things are, but to your point, I think that I'd keep that order. Thoughts on Dana's text about John Jones? I mean, here's the thing about that. People were killing him about it, and I'm like... What what did you think he said about John in private? You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not like in any way saying, oh, that's great that he did all that. But like, what is it you imagine Dana and Lorenzo's conversations circa 2014 were like about John? Do you think that they were very like flowery, <laughs> loving conversations? Like we really have to understand this guy or something. The guy was for them, 
a giant headache at that time and other times as well past that too like i don't you know what i mean like i don't understand what people think about that like it's like oh he said negative things about him privately dude you think that's the only negative things he said about him or like that he's the only person he's done that towards like first of all any number of you and me have had negative things to say about anyone else in our orbit professional athletes friends neighbors like fuck that guy you know so i i mean again i I understand that there's a contradiction between what you might have seen publicly and that, and that people perceive that to be inauthentic or, you know, whatever. I, 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 I expected private conversations about John Jones between these figures to sound like that. I didn't expect anything else. That's what they are. Oh, here we go. Uh, okay. Here's his, uh, here's his, uh, Here's his thing. 2013, Obama amended the Smith and Munt Act, making it void. It protected us from foreign and domestic propaganda since 1948. Left his news and media's vacant to divide. Okay, well, there you go, Mario. Thank you for the donation. Uh, okay. How different are Strickland's views compared to those of Muslim fighters? I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, how different are his views to a number of people? I mean, again, I'm trying to point out, like, I, I can't understand his views other than as through a lens of like what trauma does to a person, not like this is some rational process of true evidence-based scientific discovery. I don't view his views that way. I view them more as like this is what happens when you mistreat a person for a very long time and they have to like suffer their way through the world. Um, but I feel like, you know, whatever the truth may end up being, he does not appear to be alone. Uh, there appear to be, he has appeared to have a course of support, both with people inside the sport. I've seen other athletes say encouraging messages along the lines of agreement with the worldview, not just like the public espousal of them. And then I've seen other people, you know, support it in other ways outside of the community. Um, again, there's a shitload of pushback too. It's not like there's you know, far from it that there's unanimity about it. Again, I couldn't be more different from my views, but like, you know, I think people want to bring it up because obviously Habib and Islam come from more traditional societies and these are obviously going to have less progressive views about homosexuals in all likelihood, right? But um, there probably may not be a huge difference. I don't know. I don't really know. You can speculate. But I would I would just say, like, you know, they don't wear T-shirts saying women should be in the kitchen. Like, there's not this intentional provocation of these things. And so there's a little bit less of a spotlight about it. Are the multi-time NCAA wrestling champs two to three times an untapped athletic pool? Nolf, uh, I think he was from Penn State. Starochi, I'm not sure from. I'm not Lee, I'm not sure. If Bo is successful, could you see more guys making the transition? Well, here's the thing. More of the guys who were like Bo Nickel used to come over, and then you got that to stop, and then it was less wrestlers altogether. Bo is kind of the exception to this in the more modern sense. You used to see, I mean, Cormier's generation, right? That's what I mean, like, do the... Think about it. the 2008 Olympic team, Cejudo, Askren, Cormier, right? Mako, all those guys got involved in MMA, but like there's a, there's been a drop off after that. The next class after that didn't do it. So Bo is kind of this return. Yeah. I mean, of course it's untapped, but like wrestling has gone out of its way to keep wrestling, USA wrestling, to keep wrestling, to keep wrestlers wrestling by, you know, increasing monetary rewards and exposure. And like they've, they've really tried to do that, to prevent that kind of thing where like Jordan Burroughs, doesn't quit the Olympics for MMA or whatever. And so it's not like people don't realize that you could get a lot out of it. It's just that they're much harder to get than they once were. Wrestling had made a lot of changes. Uh, something nice. Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. Uh, what do you think boxer? 
Why do you think boxers convert to Muslim? You mean Islam? So late in life, Gervonta recently became a Muslim. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I saw that he converted to Islam. Um, I think his name is Abdel Wahid. I believe that's his name. I don't know what he will require in terms of like what he wants to go by. I guess we shall see. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly, it's a lack of a connection to any kind of Christian identity in their community. Uh, these are not people that feel like they are either profiting from this or have a connection to it. And instead they have these other forces that pull them in that direction. But I would have to ask, I would have to ask about the particulars of how it happened. Obviously there is a tradition of Islam in uh, the African American community, but it goes in a few different directions itself. And I'm not an expert on that. So I'd be very cautious to say anything more than that. True or false. Duplicy stopped Sean Strickland. Ooh, God, that fight is tough to call. Maybe true. Yeah, true. I guess. I don't know. Arthur uh, TKO's Dimitri. No, I think he survives. John Jones will never fight Tom Aspinall. See, never is a strong word. I'll say false. One championship eventually folds true, and Saudi Arabia will host a Super Bowl someday. Ooh. The NFL has rules, I think, about sovereign wealth funds. I'm going to say false on that one. How's the workout going? I've hit a funk in my own steps. So I what, what, what is it? We are now, uh, I'm in week seven of my program. I'm in week seven. It's going extremely well. So my program calls for me to do split squats two times a week, the ATG split squats, which again, everything I'm building is to repair my right ankle, my left knee, my left hip, and my right shoulder. Those are the areas I'm trying to fix. I'm trying to bulletproof. And uh, the amount of progress I have made in being able to do a split squat, I still do it with a front uh, foot elevated because you have to regress down to the floor. Uh, has been absolutely dramatic, and it has been game-changing for me. My shoulder still fucking hurts, and it doesn't work right. I think I have a lot of work left on that one. I don't really know, but my ankle feels significantly better from all of the calf and sled work they haven't been doing. And then the, if you guys have never done an ATG split squat, <laughs> try it. Try it. That's the mother of all squats, man. People are like, oh, Bulgarian split squats. Bulgarian split squat ain't shit compared to the ATG squat. It ain't shit. It's a, a Bulgarian split squat is easy, easy compared to the ATG. Try the ATG one. Try, t t do three sets of 10, and then you can hold for like a two or three second pause at the bottom, and you really do it correctly, right? Uh, your, your hamstrings covering your calf. Uh, the opposite glute is flexed, leg behind you, straight, right? And your hips are underneath your shoulders. You're not leaning forward, which everyone does, and they think they're doing the split squat. You're not. You have to be this way, not this way. Try, try one of those out. See what that does for you. It, you will be surprised uh, how difficult that is, especially under 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 weight weighted load. Oh, we did this one already. Uh, here we go. Derek Lewis or Colby Covington would absolutely provide the RSD show phenomenal. Cat Williams-like effects. Colby would. I don't know if Derek would. Derek's got a lot of my balls as hot rerun jokes. I mean, they are funny, but I don't think it does the Cat Williams thing for us. Have you and BC considered interviewing Sean Strickland? We haven't had conversations about it, no. Any chance on him being on Room Service Diaries? I would say that that is highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Was looking through random MMA fighters the other day and ROFL laughing at their names. Do you remember Francisco? Francisco, no, I don't. Do you guys remember Galore Bofondo? That's a real guy. Galore Bofondo.
Early thoughts on Oliveira versus Saryuki, and I think the grappling will be interesting considering how Armin has better wrestling. Do you think he'll keep it standing or indulge Charles on the ground? I think he's going to take Charles down, yeah. Yeah, I do. I think he's going to take Charles down. I think that... Um, I have seen people th say that the win over Dariush, not that it was fool's gold. Like, in other words, he was probably going to beat Dariush anyway. But that it doesn't mean what people think it means for the subsequent Oliveira fight. I don't know if that's the worst argument in the world. I mean, I think that's the central question about this fight. Like, dude, we know we have a pretty good idea about how good Charles is, right? Like, he's fully, fully formed, fully battle-tested. Armin is not there yet. Armin is not, he's much younger. By, just by definition, he's not there yet. So, like, there's a part of me that feels like Armin could get himself in trouble by biting off more than he could chew. The other part to me, though, is he, he could just be getting much better every single fight now. He, like, he's really entering the, the beginning of his prime. And his physicality and his athleticism is going to keep him out of trouble and help him control Charles, who does put himself in bad spots and will do that too much against a guy this strong, this young, and this aggressive, and with ground control that good. And that's ultimately going to be his undoing. Um, yeah, sort of like what the, what I think sort of where this will be won or lost. All right, let's see some of the voting here. Duplicy, 53% in terms of the main the UFC 297 main event. Strickland, 46%. Interesting. That's about how I feel. That's about how I feel. I feel like uh, I lean Drickus, but I don't really, I don't have a strong sense about it. Considering both Eddie and Dobronx had success going to the body and leaning on Justin's head, do you think Max's camp will focus on these two areas with his boxing and more Muay Thai Max with body kicks? Probably to drain him, to slow him. Again, it's going to have to be about like, you know, just power for power, size for size, punch for punch. Gaethje probably wins that, right? Right? Punch for punch, kick for kick, you know, trading. Gaethje's going to win that. So what you have to do is you have to make him less than that. You have to do it with leg kicks, potentially. You have to do that with like by making him transfer defense, by draining him to the body, by doing body work, turning him, putting him on his he <clears throat> heels, volume striking, pressure, all those things. You have to take that away, and that could take some time. It won't happen by itself. Short of that, uh, yeah. What did BC mean about Ortega by proxy? Tracy? I don't remember, unfortunately. I don't remember. Any chance you do another chat with uh, Felix from Chapo? I haven't talked to that guy in a long time. I enjoyed your last discussion. It pissed off the pro-child neglect portion of the MMA fan base. I haven't talked to him, but um, I'm always down for that kind of thing. I'm always down to talk to that guy. He's really smart and really cool. Uh, why does the UFC 300 font look like it was made in MS Paint? I don't know. I don't know, boys and girls. They're not going to win a lot of awards for, like, best fight poster at UFC. There's a real sort of mechanical nature to it all. Thoughts on Suarez being injured again. Will we ever see her full potential? I don't think this is necessarily the juncture at which we can be like, well, she's one of MMA's big what-ifs. She was kind of indicating all she wanted was a delay in the fight, which UFC didn't want to do, and so they made him go in a different direction and pulled in Mackenzie Dern. But she was pretty clear that it wasn't the end of the world. It was not devastating. However, I will say she can ill afford too many of these. So I don't think it's time to panic. I don't think it's time to pull the alarm. But definitely not a great development. What role do you see your degree in philosophy playing in your work at this point in career? I mean, you know, I'm pretty far removed from college. I mean, some of the sort of questions that you study 
I have no relationship to in general. I've, I've been very clear about this. The thing that it helped me do to any kind of extent that it's useful is to sort arguments, to understand what things are essentially about, to begin to distill points to their essence, which is really where any of the meaningful conversation goes. It's been very, very helpful. It's been very helpful in my writing and very helpful in my career more generally. But in terms of like David Hume's induction and understanding these sort of the problem of, you know, phenomenology and whatnot, like I don't, I don't, I don't deal with any of that. You know, a lot of these are what people you know. People think that like you take a philosophy class and like you have wisdom about the world. You have wisdom about the human interaction with ideas. That's not the same thing as truth by any stretch of the imagination. Moreover, there are a lot of just purely academic questions. Why is water? This is a, this I've said this before. This is one I have to deal with. Why is water the watery stuff of our acquaintance? That's a real philosophy problem. Like I mean, these are very distinct things from anything you deal with in an ordinary life day to day. You know. Philosophers, thank you for what you do. It makes MMA and boxing better for me. Yeah, thank you, dude. I appreciate that. I can only do my best. I am sure that it is a failure to some. Hey, Animesh. Thanks, bro. Thoughts on the UFC's text messages sitting on John. We kind of got to this. I wasn't nearly as like bothered or surprised by them. Dude, if that's the least that he got, you know what I mean? Like, if that, I'm sorry, if that's, um, I should say this. If that's how bad it is, I think he got off easy, <laughs> right? Right. That's if, if, if all that really happened behind the scenes, we're like, this guy's a punk. It's like, so what? I mean, they still paid the guy, you know? Could you go into service in your Marines, why you chose to serve and why you didn't college? Sounds like you were enlisted and not ROTC. So first of all, thank you, Danny. First of all, the Marine Corps does not have, well, they didn't in 20 years ago. I, my understanding is they still don't have an ROTC program. You cannot do Marine Corps ROTC. You can do Army ROTC. You can do Air Force or Navy ROTC, but there is no Marine Corps ROTC. You can go to the Naval Academy, and if you graduate, I think in the top 1% of your class, you can become, you have the option to become a Marine Corps officer. You can get them that way. You can go to ITB, or rather I should say you can go to OCS. Uh, officer candidate school. That's how most do it over at Quantico, Virginia. I did not become an officer. I was enlisted. I joined uh, between my junior and senior year of high school in 1997. Um, they counted that one year while I was in high school. They counted against your inactive ready reserve time. So as I mentioned before, every military contract, again, 20 years ago was eight years. You could do four years active, four years reserve, four years active, four years inactive. But they've got you basically for eight years if they want it. And, it. and you can do it in various ways. So that I had to do six years of reserve to get any college money. So that's what I did. And then I had two years spent on the inactive ready reserve, one of which I burned in college. And then the other one I burned um, uh, at the end, obviously, of my term. Uh, I was in the – I think they got converted to a rifle company after I left. Not long after I left, by the way, like right when my eligibility was over, they got converted to a rifle company, but I was with Hotel Battery 314, 4th Mardiv. They are just south of Richmond, Virginia. They fought as a hotel battery. And by the way, a battery is just what they call an artillery unit. It's called a battery. They fought uh, in Desert Storm as hotel battery my entire time. They were hotel battery. They may have re been reconverted to hotel battery. I don't know, but they were used to be hotel battery back when I was in it. Uh, this was 98 to 04, uh, basically. Um, I went to, let's see, I went to, uh, boot camp in June of 1998, graduated in late August of 1998. Then I went to William and Mary. And then the subsequent two summers, I had to go to, uh, my MOS school in 29 Palms. And then I had to go to my, M um, MCS military combat, uh, training at, uh, uh, not Quantico, the one in, uh, North Carolina that was, uh, fucking hell. 
uh, Lejeune. I had to go to Camp Lejeune, which, which fucking sucked. I got injured there. It was a whole thing. And then I had to do various other forms of summer work where I did a combined arms exercise at 29 Palms, two more summers after that. It's called a CAX. I did two of those. Um, I was a Ford observer. I had done work as a field radio operator. That's what I did. There you go. Why did I want to do it? I wanted to do it. I wanted to see what it was like to do it. I didn't have necessarily like the grandest patriotic motives. I just wanted to see what it was like to do it. I thought it'd be good for me. I think in general it was, um, although the world can change quite rapidly under your feet, which it did, but that's it. That's the story. With the closing of women's featherweight, when do you think UFC will cut or add a weight class? If they're going to add one, it'll be 105, Adam weight. And I do think eventually they will add that. You already see Invicta building it. It's going to take some time to build it, and you see it in Japan as well. But there, the talent is not above 135, although obviously there'll be some. The talent is below 115. That's where you're going to scale. If Max was fighting 2017 Gaethje instead of 2024 Gaethje, do you reckon he tunes him up? I would like his chances a lot better in that circumstance, yes. Yes, but that one will be hard to beat too. I mean, that guy was a dog as well, right? It took abuse to get that guy out of there. But yes, he'd be more hittable and less damaging over time. So yes. Uh, this person writes, as an LGBT UFC fan, Sean's words are sadly nothing new from insecure men. I was in high school football, college judo, and ADCC champ BJJ gyms. Yeah, there's a bunch of people in the industry that either probably have to hide or otherwise minimize their identity from shit like this, uh, which I think is uh, sad and quite the indictment of the sport. I think the sport has a fairly rotten culture, but this is where we are. This is where we are. Should BMF title activists be catchweight exclusive? No. Having them take place in actual divisions might confuse people. But you bring up a good point. While I don't think they should be catchweight exclusive, I am very reluctant to have somebody who has the BMF belt fight for the title, or at a bare minimum, when someone who has the BMF title fight for the weight class title, that the BMF title is on the line. Don't like that. Don't do that. The, the weight class title and the BMF title should not intersect. They should be separated. That's what I believe. Donation towards the new t-shirt bund. Also, what brand is the tea you have with the Hanya mask and wrench? It's called Notorious Bastards. I think you can go to like NotoriousBastards.com. They, they, they make cool shit. And a lot of that, I just checked the other day, is out of uh, print, although they might have your size. But it's called Notorious Bastards. Everything they make is cool. I love I loved their style. I love what they've got going on. This person writes, Drickus is South African Homelander, right? Made both Drickus and Izzy... You mean, I think he made both Sean and Izzy lose their cool, and he didn't seem the type. I mean, he's got confidence. Confidence will carry you pretty far, even when it's false. But I'm not saying it is, but like, even a false version of confidence is valuable, to say nothing of an actual version of confidence, right? Does Arnold Allen have a chance against Evloev? Yes. I said this on the, uh, the preview that we did. Um, his last four opponents prior to this one were like Yusuf, uh, Holloway, uh, Hooker, and Cater. And of the four of them, a combined one takedown attempt. It came from Sadiq Youssef, and it failed. So uh, he hasn't been taken down in a long time. But during that same amount of time, this has all happened in, since 2020, Evloev has had 24 takedowns. The caveat to that is that they have, a, they have a similar opponent that they had a year apart. In 2020, Arnold Allen fought Nick Lentz, and he went, Nick Lentz went 0 for 9 on takedown attempts, but conversely, in 2021, Nick Lentz fought Evloev and got 1 for 5. I don't think really the case is so much about 
you know, is Arnold Allen going to get a takedown on Movsar? But what I would say is the takedown battle seems like the most important one. I don't know how he can win without it, uh, Movsar. Have you tried Salsa Calenia? I mean, from Cali? Have you read any of Gabor Mate's books? No, I know, but I obviously know his son, Aaron Mate, does a lot of reporting. Hold on to your kids, and Myth of Normal are pretty good. I've not read that. Um, have you tried Salsa Calenia? If you're meaning salsa from Cali, I don't, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've taken salsa classes. I don't know if it's properly described as Salsa Calenia. I apologize, Javier. Here's Rip. Thank you, Rip. Have you kept up with developments in warfare? Only as it relates to artillery. I have been thinking of role of drones in future warfare. It is a major game changer, especially in asymmetrical warfare. Yeah, it certainly is, but I've not... I have no more information about it than anybody else who has access to Google. And last but not least, will Max retire if he gets KO'd? Viciously KO'd? Well, considering he's never even... Love from Morocco. Yeah, Morocco's the shit. Um, if he gets KO'd, maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's never even been knocked down. We're going from that to being KO'd. That would be probably not, but like that, more than anything, that's going to push him in that direction, is it not? All right. Hey, thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it today. I feel like we got through this reasonably oh well. Probably not. There's going to be a lot of people mad. You know, again, certain people are allowed to be mad and certain people are not allowed to be mad. You get to decide who that is. I tend to think the answer is everyone. Just, just be cool, but probably won't be that way. Either way, thank you so much for watching. I greatly appreciate it. So thumbs up on this. Hit subscribe. You can reach me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. I appreciate all of you. And uh, yes, you can catch me on the post-fight show for UFC 297 on Morning Combat on Saturday. And I'll catch you after the main event. Until then, you know the drill. Stay frosty. Bum, bada, bum, bum.